Hello, this is Mr. Galley from GCSE English Revision Pod with a quick message for you. If you want even more English Revision Pod in your ears, you can now subscribe to our premium service, GCSE English Revision Pod Plus, where for the price of just over £2 a month, on top of all the amazing free episodes, which will continue to be free and there for you to use, you can also get a selection of amazing bonus episodes on things like Macbeth, A Christmas Carol, Romeo and Juliet, and all your favourite topics covered in the depth and detail that you are used to. If you are interested in getting even more GCSE English Revision Pod, all you've got to do is click the link at the top of this episode description, where you can subscribe to GCSE. English Revision Pod Plus. Hello and welcome to GCSE English Revision Pod, the third outing for our Unseen Poetry series and also the Mr. Forster Birthday Pod. Well, very, uh, very happy birthday for yesterday. Thank you very much. Did you have a nice day? Yeah, I mean, I had a very eventful and busy day, but... Um, as you get older, you hopefully get wiser. Yeah, another. Don't then, feel any wiser though. But what better way to test that wisdom, I suppose, than, than on, challenging unseen. a poem yeah. that you've uh, theoretically at least never seen before? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I picked them, so I have seen them before. But mm. um, a well, really interesting poem. So, a bit of an explicit content warning today, quite a shocking poem we've gone for. Yeah. Um, uh, so, we're looking at two poems today, um, but obviously uh, for the AQA Literature Paper 2. Um, uh, section C, Unseen. Um, and we're going to start by looking at the first poem on its own. So mm. the question goes, what do you think is the poet's attitude towards society and how does he present this message? Right, so, of course, because it's unseen, we're not giving you any context, we're not giving you any build-up. No. You are just going to fly straight into the poem with that question in mind. So, the- But looking at our handouts, which I hope you should at this point have downloaded, um, you'll see... There are these five questions that I always use to help structure an unseen answer. And the first one I actually look at even before we've read the poem, which is what's the question asking? Mm -hmm. So the question is asking about the poet's attitude towards society. So this is clearly a political poem. Even before we've read it, we know it's political. Mm -hmm. We know it's engaging with what is wrong with that society, perhaps. Yeah, it's awfully likely that it's going to be a criticism of yeah, society particularly with the title a... harm yeah. which suggests this is suggested that somehow society is perhaps doing harm to some to us to individuals so straight away before we know and if we've actually looked at the question for question b if you're skipping ahead as well which is on how the two poems present the homeless you can also make the inference that before you even read this this is about the harm society does to the homeless really. so you know an awful lot before even reading the poem if you've read those questions properly and thought about the titles of the two poems so what you need to do now is there are two handouts available to go with this podcast both of them downloadable from the bio one of them tells you the five questions you should always ask when approaching an unseen poem the other one is the copy of the poems themselves go and download them both now pause this podcast and work your way through this first question what do you think is the poet's attitude towards society and how does he present this message in the poem harm off you go press pause do it now Welcome back. Welcome back. So I'm hoping what you've done now is spent, you know, either planning or perhaps even writing yeah. um, your response. Why not? It's the third podcast. It's the third podcast. In fact, if you haven't written now, why don't you go and write it, write it yeah. half an hour? Let's pause again. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's have a, I'll, I'll start by reading the poem. So Harm by C.K. Williams. 
with his shopping cart, his bags of booty and his wine, I'd always found him inoffensive. Every neighbourhood has one or two these days. Ours never rants at you, at least, or begs. He just forages the trash all day, drinks and sings in shadow boxes, then at nightfall finds a doorway to make camp, set out his battered little radio and a slab of rotting foam. The other day, though, as I was going by, he stepped abruptly out between parked cars, undid his pants, and, not even bothering to squat, sputtered out a noxious, almost liquid stream. There was that, and that his bony shanks and buttocks were already stained beyond redemption, that his scarlet testicles were blown up bigger than a bull's with some sorrowful disease, and that a slender adolescent girl from down the block happened by right then and looked, and looked away, and looked at me, and looked away again, and made me want to say to her, because I imagined what she must have felt, it's not like this really, it's not this. But she was gone, so I could think, but isn't it like this? Isn't this just what it is? Right, fantastic poem. Obviously, some relatively sort of um, explicit content in there, but we haven't chosen it for that reason. It is just a really excellent poem that says an awful lot about society. So I think if you look, if you look at it in a lot of, if you look at it in depth, obviously it's about an incident first and foremost, yeah. isn't it? So let's start with the overall tone of the poem. Mm. What's the title suggesting? On a basic level, what happens? So mm. the overall tone. This is clearly. A poem that's designed to shock us. Yeah, it centres so. on this explicit moment when the speaker sees a homeless man defecate in the street in front of a slender adolescent girl, and he uses this to decide: Is this what our society has become? Yeah, is this society? Because his initial response is to say, "No, no, it's not. This is not what it's like." But yeah. but then the, the poem ends with him saying, "But isn't it like this? Isn't he, this just what it is?" He almost shifts, I suppose, from wanting to protect the girl. And saying, oh no, this this poor girl can't see this terrible thing Which is so unrepresentative of what life is really like But then he thinks to himself, but no, this is exactly what life is like Maybe she should see this Yeah, maybe this is the harm that we're doing to our yeah. society So I mean, so in terms of an introduction, you straight away want to engage with it So I like a really short introduction for the unseen Punchy. So something like, harm by C.K. Williams uses the speaker's encounter with a homeless man Who defecates in the street in front of a slender adolescent girl As a vehicle to explore society's attitudes towards the less fortunate mm. Then maybe something about the poet being critical of the way in which we, we, we look down on those who are less fortunate in society perhaps Yeah, I think that's that's very much what it's about And Bringing us on then to point number three. This is the third question in our handout which you could apply to all Unseen yeah. Poem, right? So, so once you've got your introduction, once you've worked out what the poem's about, we now need to have a couple of paragraphs of analysis. You might analyse language, you might analyse sound patterns, mm. you might analyse the effect of formal structure. But whatever you analyse, it's got to be linked to the question. So in this case, what is his message about society? What's he he's saying about society? So we want a couple of topic sentences that are engaging with his message about society. Jumping straight in then, is there's some quite interesting language in the first couple of stanzas where he talks about every neighbourhood has one or two these days. Our ne- ours never rants at you, or at least, or begs. So straight away there's this possessive tone created yeah. over the homeless man. And also, what's quite disturbing is that it's 
is that it's dismissively suggesting that homelessness mm. is, is is common in in our society. Every neighbourhood has one or two these yeah, days. These days, um, and and the possessive hours is to come back to it. It suggests some element of responsibility or a sense or, or an association at least with this with this particular homeless man. Now, there's a really interesting piece of double sort of a two pronged analysis we could say of that little word hours in there because I think on the one hand you could read that in quite a positive way and you could say okay maybe the maybe the people in the neighborhood take some kind of ownership and responsibility of the homeless person maybe they treat him to some degree like he's part of the community and therefore he is ours but another way of reading it is that he's ours in the sense that we created this problem that we created a world where some people are homeless and therefore he's not just our homeless person in the sense that he lives in our area he's our bit of responsibility he's our bit of the world that we've damaged so much that it leads to the people being homeless yeah and yet in the first half of the poem he seems quite dismissive of the problem the turning point comes this is a bit of a kind of question for actually a structural point mm-hmm. the, the crucial thing to understand with this poem that we need to analyze is of course when he moves away from talking about what this man generally does to moving on to this specific episode, this shocking episode. So I think we should start perhaps by analysing how, um, how, um, how, how, how C.K. Williams uses language to describe this episode. So he says, He undid his pants and not even bothering to squat, spotted out a noxious, almost liquid scheme. Let's look at that verb, spotted. Mm. It's such a graphic, onomatopoeic verb to describe him losing control with his diarrhoea. Mm, horrible. Really horrible. Um, and you can also, Visceral language. Visceral. Um, what does that mean, please, sir? It's when it's to do with the... I learned this, uh, I've learned this from you in this very <laughs> podcast. It's to do with your insides. Yeah, so it's language inside. that it's makes disgusting, you... Disgusting, grotesque. Yes, yeah, language that makes you have an almost sickly reaction. A bodily reaction to something, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's something visceral in that verb, sputter, that onomatopoeic verb. So that means it mm. sounds like... The, what it what it what it uh, like sp- p- p- is that mm. well, we're not going to see any more details unnecessarily <laughs> horrible I would say but yeah I think, um, I think um, you've made that point very clear and like, like it's explicit it's, it's grotesque and, yeah. and likewise the idea of the of, of it being a, a, a noxious almost liquid stream mm. again this is graphic Disgusting. and grotesque now What's interesting about that is if we're linking it back to what the poet is saying about society, it would be very good to note that it is visceral language that makes you have this bodily reaction. But then think about why is the poet presenting it in such a disgusting way. And I think the point you make in terms of what he's saying from society is that we want to hide away from these kind of things. Problems yep. like homelessness, we want they're to so hide ugly away from them. Yeah. That we don't want to engage with and them. And we want to pretend they're not our problems. There's yeah. oh, it's a terrible thing that happens, but it's not my problem. And here, through this visceral description he's of the forcing event, us to he's live. making it our problem, right? Yeah. And let's look at the next kind of shocking image. I think there's another metaphor I want to look at. His scarlet testicles were blown up bigger than a bull's. Mm. Some sort. So that's a zoomorphic metaphor there. Right. So comparing him to an animal. Again, perhaps mirroring the ways in which society itself reduces homeless people to animals. In, fact, those, sorry. in some cases, we treat animals better than we treat the mm. homeless. You've also got this plosive sounds blowing up bigger than a bull's, almost as if he's spitting out the words, as if he's yeah. almost bitter about saying them. He's again, so angry. This, this kind of onomatopoeic, you know, sounds of, 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 of his... This, 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 the sputtering, yeah. noxious diarrhoea that he's, that he's having. And I suppose where a, a sort of level 8, a grade 8, grade 9 answer would be perhaps directed is that 
the sort of subtle point of the poem, perhaps, is that he's not being critical just of, of the wider society. He's also quite critical of himself in this poem as well. And therefore, through his depiction of this event that kind of shocks him out of the first two stanzas where everything's very normal and everyday, is he saying... Do you think, sir, that he's saying that he himself is part of this problem? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, let's look at maybe our second paragraph. Our first paragraph was on the shocking nature of that opening. How right. he's forcing us to look at an element of society that perhaps we might otherwise ignore, we might prefer to ignore. Yeah. And deliberately shocking us with the shocking connotations of sputtered, noxious, yeah. liquid stream scarlet testicles bigger than a bull's with this shocking explicit imagery he's forcing us to look at this so our next paragraph we might want to look at actually how the message of the poem becomes clearer in the second half Mm -hmm. because there's a transition he says there was that and that his bony shanks and buttocks were already stained beyond redemption that his scarlet testicles that a slender adolescent girl the rest of the poem becomes defined by this anaphoric repetition of that right starting each clause with that yeah and what this does is it builds up towards the final thought which isn't this just what society is Mm. so the second half of the poem builds up Um, this is also matched by a a rhythmic reversal Mm. we go from these kind of mostly um, iambic rhythms um, you know, the, the start of the poem, we move into these trochees and these dactyls. If you don't know those Greek words, don't worry about them, but you could just say that rhythmically yeah. the poem seems to shift here. I'm going to say that almost, apart from you, almost <laughs> nobody knows what those so, things are, I mean, so don't worry yeah, too and much to be honest, about them. And to be honest, actually, Nancy, you wouldn't be expected to analyse this, because that's no. just me kind of nerding out a, a little bit. But <laughs> what we might want to look at here, though, instead, though, is actually how it does build up towards this final vision of what of what actually society is. I wonder if a word they could use that they probably do know is that there's a kind of crescendo effect. Yeah, that's a lovely a metaphor taken from music. Mm. It seems to get kind of louder. It louder seems to build and up. faster. The pace seems to build up. Yeah. Um, and I think, we could, I mean, let's look at some examples here that we might want to look at. So the slender adolescent girl, a symbol perhaps of all that's innocent, good and pure in society. Mm-hmm. Um, he uses this girl as um, a, a, as a kind of... To, to engage with questions about what it means to recognise the reality of the harm that we've done society. Yes. Because his initial response to this girl is that he wants to tell her it's not this. Mm. Only to have this second thought. But isn't it like this? Isn't this just what it is? So I think those mm. are the quotations I want to analyse in the second paragraph. Yeah, okay. Because she looked away and looked at me and looked away again. It's all about her looking. Yeah. I mean, one thing you probably wouldn't notice is that there's something quite disturbing about all this entire tableau. So a tableau is kind of like a frozen image. Yeah, it's a, it's a stopped... It's where time yeah, is stopped. He's really, not just it? looking at the man who's defecating in the street. He's also looking at a girl looking at the man. Mm. It, he's, he's witnessing a witness of this horrific yeah. thing. And in that, he's seeing what he sees in her looking away, looking at him, and then looking away again. What I think he sees is the part of society that would want to explain this away. The part of society that would want to say, this is a, this is a ridiculous thing that never normally happens, yeah. right? But it ends instead with perhaps the more worrying and disturbing notion that perhaps this is precisely what society is. So the rhetorical question yeah. brings home his message right so, at the end. So I'd say that rhetorical question encapsulates his message. That's a great kind of metaphor to say. It kind of sums up, it encapsulates his message about society. Yeah, that you actually, imagine something being put in a capsule. Yeah, so that it encapsulates the idea that, that, that actually the harm we've done society... Um, we should be forced to look at it and acknowledge yeah. that actually, and in trying to look away, 
we are contributing to this harm. We're contributing to people like this. Because note that the man is stained beyond redemption. It yeah. isn't simply this one occasion that has stained him both physically and metaphorically. Mm. He is already stained beyond redemption. And that word redemption suggests that there is no hope for this yeah. homeless man. Or being beyond redemption. He's, yeah, yeah, mm. it's, yeah he's, he's beyond. He, he can't. He can't come back from this because of be the way society's treated him. Yeah. So in terms of like our conclusion, therefore, what's it saying about society? It's engaging, actually, that the reader, like the slender adolescent girl, is forced to witness what society has done to the less fortunate, physically and emotional. And consider, I suppose, and consider our own role yeah. in the staining of this man. Obviously, we haven't literally stained him, but perhaps... Figuratively. Figuratively, we are part of the problem that leads to some people being treated so terribly by society. Yeah, that in choosing to ignore them, we enable them to be left in this terrible position. Yeah. Stained beyond redemption. Good so poem. That's, yeah, it's a great poem. I mean, a fantastic poet. Um, mm-hmm. um, I thought we could compare this with, uh, well, I wrote the question, um, Dylan Thomas's The Hunchback in the Park. Right. Well, an extract from it. Yeah, a couple of stanzas from it. Um, and the question for part B of The Unseen is compare how the two poems present homeless. Right. The homeless. So, obviously, if you're doing the AQA exam, you're going to have about 15 minutes left now. Mm-hmm. Remember, as we said in previous podcasts, there's only AO2 on this question, so it's vital you make one comparison and look at an image, a bit of imagery from both poems. Yeah. You've got to engage with Just how to... Unpack oh, a bit a, of a language. A metaphor, a simile, a symbol, compare it, and then move on with your life. Yeah. So I think the obvious point, I mean, do you want to read the poem? Yeah, go on. The hunchback in the park, a solitary mister, propped between trees and water, from the opening of the garden lock that lets the trees and water enter until the Sunday sombre bell at dark, eating bread from a newspaper, drinking water from the chained cup that the children fill with gravel. In the fountain basin where I sailed my ship, slept at night in a dog kennel, but nobody chained him up. Okay, thank you. Yep, got through it without drifting it. into an unnecessary <laughs> accent. Northern accent. So, I think straight away, um, there's an obvious comparison. Both are engaging with a homeless figure, mm. but the homeless figure here seems very different. Unlike the kind of the, the horror, the shocking nature of what the young girl ex- sees in, in harm, here we see a more dignified and solemn, yeah. you know, lonely homeless man who, very sad all the who's same who's still mistreated the yeah. boys put gravel in his cup but it's, it doesn't have quite the same shocking effect as, as harm no certainly not initially so you could compare that but I think we need to compare the imagery as well so there is perhaps something that I think that we might want to look at the fact that he slept in a dog kennel right so you've got the animalistic depiction yeah. of him straight away that you can the zoomorphic representation because this compares very nicely with of course the man in harm whose testicles have swollen up um, what was it who's bigger than a bull's bigger than, blown up bigger than a bull's mm-hmm. whose bony shanks um, so shanks of course a word for legs but commonly associated again with animals you mm. talk about eating lamb shanks he's described in a zoomorphic way and in both cases what's the effect of this whether you get the you get the dehumanisation of yeah. these people, the idea that somehow in some people's eyes they are second class citizens, they are not being treated yeah. as human beings. And also in both poems, these figures, these animalistic figures of the homeless are juxtaposed with innocent children. Right. As if to show the difference between them. 
And I think that's quite interesting. Or there's something is, is going. So should we start with harm and then we'll compare it with Hunchback in the Park? So Hunchback in the Park, the zoomorphic image you might want to pick up on. And again, if you if it's relevant to repeat yourself from part A, of course you can, but you can. only if it answers the question. Yeah. So here the zoomorphic, um, you know, connotations of his testicles being bigger than a bull's, mm. um, of his bony shanks and buttocks stained beyond redemption. He seems less than human. Yeah, and He's compare de- that to the idea that. Uh, in the hunchback in the park he slept at night in a dog kennel and wasn't wasn't chained up like a dog yeah so the metaphorical suggestion is that 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 of course perhaps although he wasn't chained like a like a dog there is there is a sense of his separation from humans from from society separation from civilization Mm. and there seems again something perhaps bestial or animalistic about him yeah that he's reduced to this um and we also see the difference between the children. So, of course, the children, the, the child in um, in harm wants to look away, but doesn't. Yeah. Whereas the children actually in the Hunchback in the Park, rather more disturbingly, actually um, are quite abusive. Yeah, they put, tormenting they, they, him. They torment him. They fill gravel into, into, into the cup from which he drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a sense about so, so perhaps unlike the innocent the image of innocence we see in harm actually we see children contributing to the harm society has done to this homeless man right so that could be a nice point of comparison that the the harm in harm is much more hidden it's a much more subtle depiction by the poet of how society damages the homeless more, people more by neglect than by action absolutely whereas in uh, the hunchback in the park we've actually got an explicit example of the hunchback suffering abusive treatment at the hands of these children at the hands of children who we'd perhaps normally associate with innocence um, and perhaps you know everything that's right with the world here they are abusing the homeless yeah so um, to be honest I think that probably would be enough because remember you've only got 15 minutes you need to analyse some imagery we've looked at the zoomorphic imagery yeah. you need to compare the ideas we've looked at the ideas about children about the homeless and I think probably that's probably going to do it that's probably going to tick those boxes because I, you can't be perfectionist with the unseen because you only, you only have 45 minutes if you're, yeah. unless you have extra time and actually you can't be expected to analyse every single thing in the poems in that time no, one... so you've got to pick one really good comparison would be my advice say a lot about a little rather than a little about a lot. Go into loads of detail, exploring the connotations of words, the the associations, and what kind of effect that has. Yeah. Brilliant. And there you are, sailing sailing on like the ship in the poem towards a... Neat and little hope, eight marks. Hopefully not spluttering on like the oh, diarrhea in the poem. No, I'm not, I'm not hopefully that's not a your, metaphor uh... <laughs> for your essays. We're no. hoping you, we're encouraging you not to write verbal diarrhea. Absolutely not. I don't think I'm going to forget your horrible onomatopoeic spist, representation spist. of that in a long time. Um, thank you very much for joining us, guys. You can follow us on Twitter at grevisionpod. You can email us. At pod at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Get in touch, give us a follow and a subscribe, and we will see you next time.